Hey everybody, this is Dr. John back with the latest episode of the Evolved Caveman podcast, and I am extremely honored to have with me today a special guest. My guest today is my daughter, Molly, who is 17, 17 and a half, and the youngest of my four children. And we're going to talk a little bit today about her life and also mental illness and genetic mental illness and situational mental illness and some of the trials and tribulations that she's been through. So hi, how are you doing? Hi, I'm I'm so honored to be here. I can't believe I'm an honored guest. That feels <laughs> so that feels so funny. Well, you are a goddess. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> okay. So let's start off with an easy one. <clears throat> Tell me a story of you at your very best. Okay. Um so I'll start kind of a little bit more superficial um so this past year i've um i'm in a lot of government related extracurriculars one of which being speech and debate geeking out it's like yeah it's a lot of nerd shit so basically which is awesome yeah no and i love it it's so fun um but this year i got to compete with a speech that was handed down to me from a senior last year and um it was like one of my favorite poets. It was an amazing speech. I was really passionate about it. And so I learned and it. it was on it was, topic. It was on sexual assault and rape. Yeah. So and it was hard, um, to, hard to hear. It was like hard I to had hear. to listen to it dozens of times and it, it's it's tough. It to didn't hear. get any easier the more you heard it. Um it was like a really very um graphic depiction. In your face. Yeah, yeah. it was in your face. And it was Rupi Kaur for all those who were rupee car yeah, yeah car. and it was okay yeah um and it was the intent was to make you uncomfortable and so i took that with great pride um because i think that's what speaking should be and so i did the first we have three regular tournaments and then you have state quals and then state competition and your goal for the year was just to go to state okay that's um, still a big goal it's that which was huge because there's dozens of leagues across california and then it's kind of the best of the best of the best. So I competed the first regular tournament um, and the competition wasn't very, it was pretty thin. Um, and so I got, I got a first place trophy at that and I was over the moon. And we felt you were well on your way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got this. Like, this is going to be great. And then second competition, a few months later, um, I went and I did my best and I kind of changed how I presented this speech I was kind of struggling a little bit at the end of the semester and just struggling emotionally and so there was more there's a lot more emotion behind it not as much of a happy ending and I ended up placing fourth at that tournament which was kind of like a just a gut punch yeah um because I felt I mean obviously like I I had worked super hard um and so I was discouraged and then I was like well you know what there's another because one of my goals kind of my secret goal was to auto qualify which would mean i would place first twice at two of the regular two out of three two out of three yeah, okay. of the competitions so i didn't do that second time i was like okay we got the third time we can do this went to the high school competed all day um well competed for a few hours and then they were like okay postings for finals are out and i didn't get a final round um i didn't even make it to any of the finals like I was in the lower like placing yeah and so I went home early which and was so that was yeah 
that devastating. was that was quite disappointing um especially when it was a speech that was like not my like it was handed down it was bestowed upon me um and that was just kind of like huh okay um I'm not really sure what to do with that because I walked out of my rounds being like that was the best I've done and whether or not it was the judges or I was actually not doing my best um it it was like really disappointing I was like are you are you serious right now I didn't even like I didn't even break which means I wasn't even like top seven even um and I think that was the first time that I hadn't gone to finals that a speech in like competition day had ended early for me um and she's like well god damn it um I was like okay I have state quals this is the chance this is my only chance now so the fourth and final shot yeah the fourth and final shot and I was like I have no real proof of me doing well in any of these competitions where the like competition's actually tangible um and so I was nervous and I was like you know what I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do my best because I love this speech and not like I'm not doing this to win I'm not doing this to do anything else um and so at state quals you have to have placed in varsity to go to state quals all the random things mm-hmm. um and so it's all of the top varsity competitors at state quals and so then I went and I competed it was four rounds well no it was five rounds from 6 a.m to 8 or okay 8 p.m um and then we were all in the gym for awards and I found out that I broke to um the finals Mm -hmm. so I was either going to be an alternate to state or I was going to state and then they started calling names and I was counting there's 12 competitors six are alternates six go to state in my event um and there was 25 people in the event so I was already top 12 and so I started counting and they started saying names that weren't my name and then I counted and six people had already been said so I was going to state and I jumped into my friend's arm and I was ecstatic like over the moon and then they kept calling names I was like guys where's my name and then finally they said and for your oral interp champion Molly Schinner from Santa Monica Valley High School and I I the video of me winning that award was like my mouth was on the floor because as they kept calling names, I was counting in my head. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the last one. Like I, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, and that was just like the best possible day. It was the longest day ever. Um, and then you ultimately went to state. Yeah. And then I got to go to San Diego for state and compete. And out of, there was only four people in my class who got to go to state, um, in your high school, in my high school who qualified. And, um, out of 56 competitors, well, and out of the only, like the four who went, I was the only one who broke to finals and placed. Um, and I, out of 56 competitors, I ended up getting fifth, which was huge. Well, and with a speech that is in your face, uncomfortable, I mean, it's, it was, yeah, it was not one that it's about social justice. And, and the other ones, the ones that came in first through fourth, if I recall correctly, the first one was like a humor joke. Yeah. or yeah. Um, inspirational, you know, much yeah. safer plays emotionally. Yeah. 
and so and it's a much safer play when your judges are parents and middle-aged men yeah and like you don't know who's judging you because they're going to offend yeah inevitably their biases come through um so let me ask you this so you know you're in between your junior and senior year of high school this last year was a smashing success for you i mean model un president of youth and government placing in state for speech and debate i mean there's there's many other things straight a's um mock trial mock trial girl state i mean it just goes on and on and on and it was a hell of a year so i'm, I'm really proud of you thank you and it wasn't always this way <laughs> no no so go back a year or two or further yeah. whatever you're comfortable doing and let's go to that clusterfuck that was your life <laughs> um yeah yeah so essentially i'll start i mean I'll start basically. So you and mom got divorced when I was about three, three, yeah, four. three, four. Yeah. Um, and from then on, like I learned to grow up really quickly mm. because it served me, um, asking for things got thrown back in my face. Um, so I just learned to do everything myself. I was the fourth child and my older brothers were a handful at that moment in time. Yeah. So there wasn't always room for me. Um, so I dealt with it. Um, and it, it really created who I am today, mm-hmm. but then it continued on and it kind of perpetuated this feeling of isolation and loneliness, loneliness within the family because I would do everything for myself. So, and asking for things specifically for my mom was really difficult for me. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of, I'm not sure. Well, I think it started like, I felt this way at my mom's and I, I started like really not wanting to go there were different factors that like your house was better. And then there was also a part of it that was like mom's house sucked. Mm -hmm. Like it sucked to be there. I would cry in your arms the night before. Yeah. That was awful. Like I did not want to go at all. Um, it was horrid and no, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like, wasn't physical abuse. It wasn't severe neglect. Um, it was just emotionally draining and isolating um and so I think it started like that became constant like I I would just fight going to mom's all the time it was stressful for you over there too it was stressful and I would text you and I would be like oh my god I hate it here like I can't I'm so depressed and so whatever time in your bedroom there I yeah because I I didn't I didn't like who was outside of my bedroom I didn't want to be there like my siblings were mostly out of the house and away so there was no one really there for me I felt trapped in um and then I think from that like the constant not wanting to go and having this place that didn't feel safe um is really where the like depression and anxiety and the mental illness like kicked into full gear um because I want to say I mean I I think I was like what 14 when I went on it like yeah. first antidepressant yeah. kind of thing and it was like a low when and I think so I had tried twice to go to court and get more custody yeah. of and that that was a clusterfuck as well um court I mean you guys when I was little little you guys spent years in court yeah three and a half yeah three and a half um and so going back to court was also a lot it was traumatic and, for me uh-huh for sure yeah and then that was, I mean, like that made our house stressful. Yeah. We were dealing with that shit. Um, and I think going through, like even now, um, like going through all these court documents, like 
they're they're rough mm-hmm. reading through the text that i sent you and like how i'm describing it being there like yeah. it, it it was it's not re-triggering for both of us it really is it was it was not pretty. more so for you i imagine yeah <laughs> yeah um but it was also hell for you like it was yeah. it, you couldn't do anything yeah when you can't protect your child it's really it's it's difficult, difficult. um and because you can't like it's not physical protection it's like it's emotional um and so from then from that point on like it just it just continued to get worse yeah so i failed to get more custody twice yeah so we were stuck at 50 50 yeah um and then it was i forget it, it was just a constant cycle of like me going to my mom's and sitting in my room and being depressed and being anxious um, are you comfortable going into why you kept why you isolated in your bedroom yeah i think well i think a big part of it was like i i didn't i didn't want to like go the options were to like go sit on the couch and watch tv with like my mom and her husband with news you didn't agree with yeah with like fox news on the tv and i was like okay like i'm not gonna i don't feel like arguing about this like you're he's my mom's husband he's a grown man and I'm 15 like I don't really feel like doing this um and it was it was loud and I didn't appreciate the company at all and I I felt kind of welcomed but I didn't feel welcomed enough to the point where like I would actually go out like there wasn't enough of an effort to include me in the family um and there was there was no siblings there to bring me out of my room to act as the buffer um and I was just like it was just safer inside my room yeah and then like and there would be times where like um when I would be out like I would be feeling invalidated or I would get shut down or my mom would like be on her phone and then I would say her name four or five times over and still not be able to get her attention because she's looking at her phone and can't hear. So would it be safe to say that you didn't feel seen, heard, or validated? Yeah, or, definitely. Or think of a, a, yeah. And I, I do want to, way to put it. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to give my mom credit. Like it wasn't, it, that wasn't her intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was doing important things on her phone. She was working, she was doing all this. Um, and still it made me feel unseen. Yeah. Um, and from my perspective, when I tried to communicate that feeling, it it was just invalidated. Yeah. And so once you, after multiple times of, because you've always taught me growing up, communicate how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once, once I've like, after a few times of me trying to communicate how I feel and then just getting shut down and being hurt worse than I was or being unheard gaslit whatever you want to say more than I was in the beginning I I learned quickly not to say how I felt yeah and well so let me ask you does it always work with every person to communicate how you feel no or that, sometimes that's not a great strategy that was the lesson yeah um I mean I'd say 90 percent of people that it, communicate how you feel it's good for yeah, you it's good absolutely. it's good for them to hear even if it doesn't change the outcome of what they're doing it's good for you to share right and but then there's certain personality types i would say that aren't it just doesn't help and you'll you'll get anger in response yeah or deflection and or it rationalization was or defensiveness it was a lot of defensiveness um and it was like i i wasn't asking her to stop working so hard and stop doing this i was just asking like 
hey, could could I have some attention too? Yeah. Basically, it was bids for attention. Um, and that's a little Gottman reference for those of you who are keeping score. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it was like um, even more like than that. I would feel um, I'm looking for the right word, like my bids for attention would be so defend like they would be defended against they would be like yeah. how could you and then it would spiral into i'm ungrateful i'm how could i how could you say that yeah. i do so much for you, you don't feel that way you don't feel that way you should be happy this is a happy home which was always the kicker for me um it was always i we we want this to be a happy home how can we make this a happy home it's like well I haven't been happy for years. Yeah. So yeah, and, and I don't think you need to go too much into the details. I, I think it makes yeah. you uncomfortable and I, I totally understand that and respect it. So how bad did it get in terms of your behavior? <laughs> yeah. Like let's just focus on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry. No, 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 um, no. So basically, um, especially growing up, I never acted out. I no, you're I would say people please. Well, you were kind of a pain in the ass at times, but yeah. Well, oh, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, as much as you're a pain in the ass too. So um it was like I I really I I saw because I saw my brothers acting out and I was like, I don't want to yeah. do that. Good like, teachers. Oh great. I, I was like, I I don't want that to be me. Um and I hated getting in trouble. I hated doing things wrong. I punished myself for yeah. it. Um so I wouldn't. And then throughout the years, it was like my freshman year, COVID online was rough. And then my sophomore year um, and my mental health just declined. And this was, yeah, it seemed like a steady decline. It was a it couple was, of years. It was a very steady decline. And I want to say we had a little bit more custody, maybe 70, 30, 60, yeah, 40 yeah, it, um, at yeah. that point. Um, but I was still going to my mom's. Like, uh, it got to amount. like I had you all week and then she had you every other weekend or something. Yeah. So it was, I mean, 80, 20 ish. Mm -hmm. Um and then steady decline. Um I'm not sure when I think um I dyed my hair a bunch of colors. My <laughs> my my medications increased. Oh, the blue hair phases were the worst. Yeah, yeah. Don't very angsty. Oh my god. If your child dyes their hair blue, check in with them, please. <laughs> please ask them how they're doing. It's a great tip. Both times I had blue hair, it was just a horrible life yeah. period. So um I it started with that. I was able to keep all my grades up because like I that's you me. Could. That's yeah. who I am. Um, but I was doing minimal effort. Um, I just started caring less and I I mean I I started doing random things like started acting out more on my mom's. I wouldn't listen to her when she would tell me to do something. I would argue with her. Um, I would, I mean, I snuck out a few times from her house. I would steal her alcohol. I would, I mean, do all these things. And then it's- You did what? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I have a little, a little tangent. There was a time where I was like on my desk and I accidentally left like a white claw out. And I had to leave really fast. It was one of her white claws. Um, I had to leave really fast. And I came back. She was like livid. She was fucking pissed. And she was like, you really did like the drinking. I know it was just a seltzer, but the drinking and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm so glad you didn't smell any of the other bottles on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you. That's not funny. That. Don't laugh. I'm sure. 
sure you love to hear that. Um, but yeah, there was so much more that. Well, you were in a lot of pain then too. Yeah, so it was all wrapped up. So it kind of started. It was the summer after my sophomore year where it really just started to decline. Um, my mental health got really bad, and so they they upped my meds. Um, and this specific medication did not work for me. Um, so it was summer. It was like a week or two in. I was already. I was. I was acting out a lot. I was doing shit I wasn't supposed to. I mean, I was, which is not who I am. Right. Like, I don't, that is not what I like to do. Um, but I was like, well, fuck it. I'm in pain. I don't care. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter anymore to me. Apathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a lot of nihilism in that yeah. era. And blue hair. <laughs> it was rough. Um, and so from then, like, it started, it started drinking, smoking, um, sneaking out, self-harm. Um, I mean, all these things. And then they like two weeks there was a point where they upped my medication and this specific medication this certain dose this higher dose gave me what I didn't know at the that point but what I now know now is that it gave me really aggressive intrusive suicidal thoughts thoughts, and thoughts of self-harm and it essentially just perpetuated what I had been hearing my entire life is that you're not feeling what you're feeling. You're not doing, you're mm-hmm. not enough, essentially. Yeah. You're not like, you do not deserve you're not to live. Worthy. You're not worthy. You don't deserve to live. So when something in my own brain, because I'd fought so hard against that for so long, when something in my own brain and my chem- the chemicals shifted and said, no, yeah, you're not enough. I was like, well, fuck. Okay. It reminds me of Wayne's world when Wayne and Garth are prostrating themselves before Alice Cooper saying, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just had to insert some levity there. You're getting really heavy. (laughs) 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 We'll bring it back up. I promise. We'll, We'll bring it back up. It goes up. Um, and so we do a little tap dance at the end or a Bollywood number. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> if only you could dance. I can't. No, That's, you can't. You're I'm cool. off the hook. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so then, yeah. Oh, if I, if we didn't give a trigger warning, there's a trigger warning. Suicide. Uh, thank suicidal you. Suicidal thoughts, action, self-harm, yeah. drinking, drug. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then it was about two weeks in to having taken those meds and the intrusive thoughts just got worse. Um, I couldn't go an hour, 30 minutes without thinking you should kill yourself. You should die. You're not worthy. Um, and so my mind inevitably started thinking of ways I could do that. And then you had to go to your mom's for the weekend. Yeah. So then this weekend was coming up and I felt really bad. It was on your birthday. That was so intentional. I was wondering if that was kind of a subtle fuck you, or maybe not so subtle. So nice. It was just, yeah. Happy so, birthday, Dad. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so, you know what they say? Humor is tragedy plus thirty seconds. And that's how I've grown up. That that's been the parenting philosophy here. I think that explains why I am the way yeah, so I am. Jory and I went away for the weekend to Jenner. Okay, so yeah, you're so, at home at mom's house. Well, so. Yeah, so you and Jory went away. You had planned that. And then mom, last minute, was like, I have a trip. I'm leaving. And you were fucking pissed. Oh, I was furious. You were like, you can't just... So 
guess who I was home alone with? Your stepdad. My stepdad. Um, who and you like and have a lot of respect for. He's so yeah. He he is a very kind person. He's tried really hard. I think it's difficult to be brought into a family, and I don't think the bringing in of him was very he good. Introduced in a he wasn't introduced way. in the best way. Um, there still are applaudable characters. Was it like conscious coupling? No, it, no, not at all. Um, but uh, he was just not my favorite person, and like I I I'm fine with I get along with him now. Um, it was just, especially in my moments of fuck you, I, I fucking hated him. Yeah. Had so much rage. Cause I was like, you take my mom away from me. You take her away from yeah, me. Yeah. You're taking the attention I can't get. Yeah. And the, is, the little attention is not his fault. Actually. It's not at all. No, but it was, that was my anger being channeled into yeah. something. And so then I got to be home alone for the weekend with him. And I was like, well, then fuck all. And so I, um, I was sneaking out and I was, I was self-harming a lot, um, self-harming with his, his blades, actually, mm -hmm. my stepdad's blades, um, just as another little fuck you. Um, I was drinking a lot of their alcohol. Um, I was hydrating the day. I was hydrating the night. Um, I was just kind of leaving the house and not, not telling him where I was going or what I was doing. Um, and then the, the planning started and it, it started, I remember the Friday before you had to drop me off in the morning, you went to the gym and before you knew I wasn't doing great, mm -hmm. but I wasn't showing you how much at mm -hmm. all. And you went to the gym and I sat on my floor in front of my mirror and started sobbing. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I just want to stop. I'm in so much fucking pain. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I can't tell that. Like I, there was something inside me that was like, I can't unload this on yeah, your it's dad. it's his birthday. <laughs> fucking birthday weekend was just the worst, the worst fucking part of it. I felt so bad. Which we're almost on the anniversary. Yeah, that's right. We're almost, yeah. <laughs> was that two years ago? Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah. Time for um, when you're having fun. <laughs> Sorry, that's so morbid. So then... um. I, I, I started crying and then I started that, that Friday and that Saturday, I started writing notes, um, and writing notes about, yeah, by the way, writing notes is a really bad sign. Yeah. And I started another really horrible sign is, is giving away some of your valued possessions. Mm -hmm. I started doing that when my, my friends came over, my room was an absolute shit show. Like it was, it had not been cleaned in weeks. And I, I was like giving them away, giving away some of my favorite things to them. So they would have them. So I could make sure that they had them. Yeah. Um, and I started writing notes to everyone. Um, and I spent, I was usually up till like 4am just sitting in my room. Um, and I was like, okay, then I'm going to do it Saturday night. Tonight's the night. Like parents come back tomorrow this is it. Um, and so I, I got really drunk and I got high and I was, I was self-harming and that was how I was going to do it. Um, granted they, those cuts were not nearly deep enough or anything. Um, but I got really drunk to the point where I was, I was throwing up and I was throwing up into a bag, but I was, I was one of my worst fears. And it was in this moment that I think everything kind of Shattered. It would have been funny if you threw up in your mom's shoes. 
that would have worked too but i think she had to clean up the throw up anyway okay so i think it was fine um and i i remember thinking i was sitting there throwing up and i was like i don't want to choke on my own vomit that is not how i want to die i cannot die that way i won't do it and even though like i i would have been physically impossible i was i was leaning over like i wasn't on my back um so i got on my phone and i called 911 and i was like I'm throwing up really bad right now. I do, and I, I told the operator, I don't want to die this way. She's like, who's home with you? You know, she went yeah. through the whole thing. Um, and then I kind of gained, regained some consciousness. And I was like, oh fuck, what did I just do? And I was like, no, like, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine. I didn't, I didn't uh, <laughs> like. I don't think you can take back 911 calls. No, you, no, no, you cannot. Um, and so she was like, I'm going to send an officer over, to come check on you. And so oh my god this was the really thing point they were stuck on i so i snuck out um because when you put three cameras surrounding the perimeter of a house a teenage girl who doesn't give a fuck is gonna find a way around them Mm -hmm. um and so i snuck out and then the police officer made me show him my arms and gave me a threat and then called the ambulance and brought the ambulance out and then and i was i was still drunk at this point so it was a little foggy but then the ambulance came and I, they, they put me in the back and then they went and knocked on the door to the house. Barry came out and he was like, Oh my God, Molly, like, what's going on? What happened? Like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and that was later, later used against me as well. It's like, how could you, how could you do that to your stepdad? He, I, I think he said to me, like, I was the one who had to see you in the ambulance. Like, that was horrible yeah, for me. Yeah, I remember there was a big to-do about how traumatic it was for him. Oh, and my mom told me about this. I, like, it was, like, in the hospital. And she called, when, when yeah. I, she was calling me, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, Barry's really Within traumatized. Hours, yeah, it was made clear how much she was worried about Barry. Yeah, and I was like. Which is a little bit mind-boggling, honestly. I was like, wow, okay, so. And, like, she was worried about me, but why are you fucking, your daughter just tried to off herself, and you're worried about your husband being traumatized okay whatever um yeah yeah um and then so i think to everyone around me it became clear how much i was actually struggling yeah um yeah and i think mom's priorities became more clear throughout this process too that's that's astounding Mm -hmm. at some level and so so you're in the psychiatric hospital for a week i think yeah and then you guys extended my whole just a good idea but i was pissed yeah well yeah um but i wanted time for the meds to yep. kick in so yeah the first thing they did was reduce my meds if, um know, if you're out i can't make i can't enforce mm-mm, meds mm-mm. like you know i can talk to you about it but i can't yeah and i didn't know where you're at so um one of the things that also kind of blew me away was i was making arrangements with mom to come pick you up and yep. we would meet at the hospital and for some reason, and I, I don't really know the reason, she never showed up. She had a phone call. That that's that's a rough message. She had a phone call right there. Yeah. So, um, so you came, and I I was kind of like, "Where's mom?" I'm sorry about that. Yeah, and I didn't even know what to tell you. Like, yeah. And then I we went by and stopped to get some of my stuff from her house, and she was just on a call. And she kind of like she was like, "Oh, hold on," and came and hugged me and said hi, and then was like, "Okay, I got to get back to this." It's hmm. like cool yeah it's just kind of i mean yeah it gives the listeners a a taste of what you were dealing with because that's again pretty profound yeah and so and and it's what i've been 
I'm still fighting against is like this constant message of I'm not wanted. Um, and so I'll, I'll speed things up a little bit. So this happened. Um, and then we got 90, 10, cause I just started living more with you. I was like, I'm yeah. not fucking going back. Yeah. Um, but she wouldn't give up. My mom wouldn't give up full no. custody. Um, e- even when her house was traumatizing, like the bedroom was traumatizing. The- going back the relationships were traumatizing bedroom was horrible um and yeah and so that went on um we recovered i was at least happy that we had that i had more time in your house i was Mm -hmm. only spending like a night there a week or something yeah all it takes is you know one 911 call oh my god yeah yeah apparently that's sarcasm for the Uh listeners Uh uh-huh one yeah one one mile difference um so then is it charlie puth just one poof just one call away he's perfect pitch sorry that's i don't but i'm close i'm really close i'm like 98 percent. you're like 90 10 (laughs) (laughs) i might be on the 10 side but okay okay okay. um so yeah and then my sophomore year happened It, it was rough um and then so this was a couple months later a couple months later so my birthday's coming up december 31st I was gonna have some friends over and I was like, well, fuck it, let's let's drink. Let's so let me get some alcohol. So I'm gonna steal some alcohol from my mom. And I would steal it. I knew they had rearranged the cameras. Um, and there was one, the outside one was positioned on the fence because they were really upset that I could get out without being seen. <laughs> they were really hung up on that. And they had cameras in the house okay, and out okay, on the so, perimeter of the house. Yes. Right? Well, so it wasn't exactly in the house, but they had one camera inside the garage facing the house like the garage yeah. doors so and one, one on the coming. pool which really bothered you too oh yeah one in the backyard facing the pool you thought that was creepy and they were like it's not active during the day and i'm like you can make it active during the day i'm not fucking laying out in a bathing suit anymore yeah. um so that happened and then i it was winter and i was like i'm gonna steal some alcohol they'd rearrange the cameras i didn't know they had alcohol both in the house and then right outside in the garage and they were gone and i didn't know that the camera was facing the fucking door. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think it would be facing the inside of the house. Mm-hmm. Why would you need that when we because have a Because you have a teenager that steals alcohol. Okay, yeah. That was fair. <laughs> but like, the, yeah. So then, because at that point I had already been checking. I thought I was facing the other way. Because um, at that point I had been checking inside the house. I had been checking the hallways. I had been checking my room. Um, Jeez, that's, that's a safe feeling. To have to check your room yeah, for cameras. Right? Yeah, right? living room um because i was like honestly at this point nothing would surprise me so then i went and i stole some stole some alcohol um and i grabbed some from the garage and i took it poured a little bit of a bottle and i was like right by the garage door like the door into the house and then i look up and i see a red blinking light oh fuck me and then I went back into my room and I tried to act like everything's fine. And then my mom came home and was like, so blah, 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 yeah. this and that. And then she was like, so where's the alcohol? And I was like, right here. And I handed her a cup with literally like less than a shot of like whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and she took it. She's like, so your friends aren't going to be able to stay over tonight. Oh, and this was on your birthday. This was right? No, this was the day before my birthday. Okay, that's right. And then she was like, your friends can't stay over. Because I can't believe. <laughs> this is really bad. Um, but she was like, I can't believe you think you thought you would be able to like drink in my house and me not know about it. 
with your friends. I'm so sorry, mom. That had already happened multiple times. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a, there was there was a few things she didn't know. Um, but then she got really pissed at me, and there was a comparison to my brother made, um, and just just a bunch of daggers straight to the heart. Um, because it was like not only in I not wanted, but now I'm a fuck up too. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of seals in the package deal. And then what she didn't know was that the cup that I handed her was literally nothing compared to what I actually had. Mm. I'd already taken a bunch from inside the house. I had a water bottle full. Like, I was like, okay, then I'll drink by myself. I'll just do it again. Um, and I don't know what it was about that specific, like getting in trouble. Cause I think I hadn't gotten in trouble like that since I had gone to the hospital. Since I like yeah. that kind of trust was shaken. Um, and it, it, it was, it was awful. Like it was even worse than going to the hospital. Cause I just, I, I felt like so much shit. And yeah. so the night before my birthday, I, I started self-harming again and it was a whole lot worse. Yeah. I remember than- it got bad. It, so and they're scars that I still have on my arms today. That we're now working to get removed. Yeah. Was, so fast forward to the other incident where you're wearing yeah okay tight jeans. So, so then that happened. And then, um, and then I want to ask you kind of what the difference was for you between the two households because it seems okay. to me there was quite a bit of difference yes. in how you showed up at each house. Oh, absolutely. Um. So then basically, um, and I don't want to preface this. There's no accusations being made here. Okay. Um. I'm just going to tell basically what so, happened. Try and stay, stay to the fact. Yeah. So I came home one afternoon. I was still, we were still doing 90-10. I came back to my mom's. Mom had two people over for dinner. They were sitting at the table. I walked in the door, bent down to pet my dog. I was wearing low rise, tighter jeans, like tighter fitting jeans. And normally you would wear baggy, baggy. clothes so as not to be objectified. Yeah. And the past few, like while I had worn really baggy clothes yeah. traditionally. And then my stepdad comes in and he, walks by I stand up and he smacks my ass with the back of his hand and says wow those jeans look really good on you I usually see you in jeans this big and hold out his hands and it's like they they look really good and my mom goes that's what I said and my mouth hit the floor and one of her friends made a comment like oh she's fucking pissed and they were like what and I was like there was no need for you to smack my ass and I picked up my shit and I walked in my room and I closed the door and I texted you and I posted about it on my private story and I was furious. And, I was too. And she, my mom didn't come in until like later that night and I was like pissed and she's like saying goodnight and she's like, what's wrong? It's like, oh, well, your husband smacked my ass. She was like, what? He's like, your husband smacked my ass. Did you not see that? You were sitting at the table. I made a comment about it after. She's like, no, I didn't. But if that's what happened, like, that's not okay. And so he comes over and he was like, oh man, like, Maul, I was, I met, I was meaning to apologize to you about that. Like it, it was the back of my hand and I, it was a compliment. Like I thought the jeans looked really good on you. You know, you're like my, my daughter, like I've known you since you were eight. You're like my daughter. And like this and that, he said, he was like, it was an apology with a lot of excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, there's it, a bit of dissembling too if I remember from what you were telling me in like um it was a compliment I was aiming for your shoulder oh yeah mom said that okay. never happened but then I thought mom also said something like oh you're not gonna go all crazy in the head about this okay tonight, so so wait so then he never said that in the beginning okay. he said I'm sorry it was the back of my hand it was a compliment okay. he never said he was reaching for my shoulder because he fucking he wasn't um and so I was like okay like honestly whatever 
Like, I don't really give a fuck. And then my mom grabs my hand, my head in her hands. And she says, okay, but you're not going to go all crazy in the head over this tonight. Right. And I said, good night, mom. And I closed my door. Um, and then two weeks later, two weeks, yeah. it was a few weeks. I, I, I got over it. I've gotten really good at getting over these kinds of things. Um, and I just kept living my life. And then you sent mom a text yeah. that was like, Hey, just want to let you know, this has been really bothering me. Like this, this outlines the definition of sexual assault. Well, and your brothers were so upset about it. I felt like I needed to address it. My brothers were about to fucking kill him. And and just set a boundary of, hey, this kind of touch can never, ever take place. Yeah. This is so out of bounds. Yeah. It does meet the definition of a law. And so, yeah, and your text, like, one of the things she asked me was, did you read the text dad sent me? And I was like, yeah, he, he was. I try to be very factual. He was. And firm. Stating the truth. And set a boundary. Like, it is true. This is not going to happen again. Lines. He's not accusing. Like, there's there's none of that. He was just saying, hey, just want to let you definition. know. Yeah. And so that set her off. Yep. And she, this was like May-ish of 2022. Um, and so she is like, we need to talk. And she like, we met in her car in like Alamo or whatever. And then she hit every yeah so there was a lot that took place in that car conversation um I was I was gaslit I was um she started crying um, emotional yes manipulation via yes. guilt yeah so she told me that he was going for my shoulder she told me that this could destroy Barry's reputation and career she told me that so much for holding him accountable she told me that he has known me since I was eight. He loves me like his own daughter. He married his stepsister, so that doesn't yeah, provide that's not real comfort. a lot of comfort. Um, it, she told me that the, the whole thing was basically, I can't have you home if you're not safe. You can't come home. It was it was happy in there also i forget this needs to be a happy home and so she offered something she was like and if if this is what this means then we'll meet we'll we'll have lunch together and maybe i can get a hotel and you and i can hang out for a little bit Th that was what she was offering me which is a little absurd and she was offering she was blaming me for the potential split holidays that were going to happen for me and my siblings and the, like a so bunch a bunch of blaming shit. a bunch of shit she, yeah and she started crying and she grabbed my hand and I, I was like, I gotta go mom. And so she was basically like, you can't come home if you're not safe here. I can't have you home. And so that seal was the packing tape across the, you're not wanted, you're not worthy package. Yeah. That sealed it right up. Um, and that wasn't, that wasn't the message from both homes at all. Well, it seems to me that she kicked you out because you had your ass slapped by her husband. Yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Um, yeah. And which is, well, I've heard that story before in low SES households. Yeah. That, you know, the woman gets threatened, the relationship gets threatened, and they'd rather make the teenage daughter leave than confront the husband. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. Okay. And we were both, you had to kind of be like, oh shit, sure. Like, well, yeah, when so I'll like, take you 100%. All of a sudden, I got you 100% of the time. Uh -huh. Like, okay, we'll, we'll make that work, which like, what is what we had wanted yeah. for the longest time. Um, and it 
it and I I'm not saying this to be over dramatic like it has been the best possible thing for me um since then although the the reasoning behind the winning of custody is kind of fucked up this has been the best thing for me this past year I've done better than I have in years the dramatic is not I mean the difference is night and day I I'm on I'm stable I haven't I'm two years almost two years clean of Mm self-harm I'm congratulations thank you I think like 600 days almost um I'm in a bunch of extracurriculars improv that's what I forgot oh yeah yeah she's doing improv yeah which is awesome I have straight A's I have a stable friend group I have a social life I'm working part-time I'm doing all these things I'm happy like I, I I can genuinely say without a doubt that I'm happy I'm content in my life and it's insane and one of the things no, I, said, I think it's not insane it's true it's the lack of insanity it's sane it's <laughs> it's sane um one of the things I said recently was like this is the first time I realized in 17 years of my life that I haven't had to worry about um I mean my brother's getting hurt, going to jail, my brother going to jail, um, dying, my not being safe at home, wanting to hurt myself at home, feeling unvalidated, unseen, unheard. Feeling safe. I haven't felt safe. Safe and secure. In, I would say, maybe 16, 17 years of my life. Um, And this is the first time. Which is really sad. I'm really sorry about that. It was, I mean, not your, it's, it's. Kind of. I'm, well, I'm not sorry about it. Um. I'm not, I wouldn't take back, I wouldn't change anything that has happened to me or that I've gone through because it made me exactly who I am today. Yeah. Because every time shit was going down, you were asking me or made me ask myself, what can you learn from this? How can you grow and change? Um, And because of all of this shit that I've endured, I'm now happy, well-balanced. Resilient. (laughs) Yeah, I would say resilient. Um, so let me ask you this so because you were dealing with some pretty severe depression and I think there was a little anxiety wrapped up in that and some would say a little bipolar too well I think that depending. was a that was a hypothesis for yeah, you for a while yeah. and looking at a year ago or mm-hmm. I guess two years ago plus and looking at now mm-hmm. to what extent would you say those mental health challenges were situational versus genetic so there was definitely a portion that was genetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree because I've got a little depression. Exactly. And, a little anxiety. and and I think there's there's parts of the chemicals in your brain that you just you can't do anything mm-hmm. about. So you take some medication. Then there's the situational aspect in which all of these mental struggles are just heightened times a thousand. Yeah. Like I this past year, I I didn't know I could live like this. I didn't know I could go three months without having a depressive episode. I didn't know that. I didn't know that having anxiety on the daily wasn't normal. Mm. I thought that was just me. I thought that was just who I was and I, that I would need to be heavily medicated a lot. Um, and like, granted, I still am on medication and it's it helps a lot. It's a big part of my life and I think it's important mm-hmm. um, because there's that genetic predisposition. And then there was also a big part that was environmental. Can you put a number on it? 70, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50. Because I think it's a really interesting question. It's, it's an it is, it question. Is. You know, how much of this is genetics? How much of it's 
learned nature versus nurture. Yeah, you know, I was talking about this the other day. I, I want to say, like, I honestly, 70, 30, 80, 20. Yeah, um, 80 being? 80 being environmental. Yeah, and I think as I've gotten older, I agree. I think genes, um, they create possibility but it's not probability exactly and and so the genes can either be expressed and turned on or the environment can help to turn them off or to never turn them on yeah and yeah i would say same thing 70 30 80 20 yeah and so i would say i mean like hypothetically i think if i were put into you know a quote-unquote normal household whatever you want to call yeah. it traumaless household whatever Do those exist not not a hundred percent, but if I was put into, let's say, a more well-adjusted, put-together parent, yes, great Mormon. <laughs> That's a great example. Um, I'm I, sorry to all the Mormon listeners out there. No, yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of a compliment. They're kind of like yeah. well balanced, real. Um, but I think if that were the case, I think it would have had a little touch of depression, anxiety. Yeah, no, I think there'd still be, you know, emotional sensitivity is probably how I'd yeah, like it would have been an extra moody teen kind yeah. of thing. It would have been yeah. chalked up to that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would have, but I don't, I think that is an unnatural so level. What are you doing now for self-care? Like, what do you do oh, I love to keep yourself moving and achieving at a high level? I love self-care. Um, meds every day. I take my okay, meds and enough. I meet with my psychiatrist. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I recently got back to therapy because um, now I'm stable enough to the point where I can handle going back into my past yeah. and healing old trauma, which has been as huge. opposed to just survival. It's yeah. So I'm out of, I, I'm no longer in flight, flight or fight mode. Freeze, yeah. Flight or freeze, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. What else do you do? Um, I drink a lot of water. I sleep a lot. We like to sleep a lot in this household. I work out. Go to the gym. Um, yeah, you're like making motions at me. I was getting there. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I go to the gym. I work out. Um, and whether I go to the gym or I take my dog for a walk, I'm getting out. Yeah. Um, Hang out with I'm friends. Working. Working, yeah. Working is great for you. Having a purpose is really awesome. Earning my own money. I hang out with friends a lot. I love my friends. They recharge me. Sleep. Sleep with your sleep. dog. Sleep. Yeah. Sleep. Rest. Yeah, rest. And I, I think you rest. Rest is so good. I rest a lot. And, and I really support your sleeping yeah. and resting. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, if you need to sleep, sleep. We're a big sleeping household. Yeah. It's great. Napping. It, yeah, napping. Yeah, it's great. Um, Because I'll be, I'll just be exhausted. And like, what about achieving as a form of self-care? Yeah. So that is, um, so basically I've, I've chosen all of my school schedule and school stuff based on what I'm passionate about. I don't take AP classes about things I'm not passionate about. I don't, I'm, I'm not doing it for a GPA. I'm not doing it for college. I'm doing it because I want to do it and because I'm passionate. Every single one of my extracurriculars I love and I, I'm interested in. How did you get to that about. point? I think that's been you. My entire upbringing is like, follow your curiosity, follow your passion. Yeah, don't let school kill your curiosity. And I haven't let it because I've been choosing ever since I got to choose classes and well that, that started from a young age people when i was like six were like molly for president yeah 2044 yeah all yeah. your siblings yeah exactly so let me ask you one more question we got to wrap up here yeah. pretty soon but um to what extent was it helpful for you and i to go visit humboldt as a potential school for you that has a 92 percent acceptance rate so pretty much you could get in no problem 
in your sleep. Yeah. But I, that was purposeful so that I just said, look, here's a school you could go to. You're a pretty good fit to this school. What right. school you go to does not matter to me. My ego is not wrapped up in it. And oh, by the way, the research shows that the school you go to doesn't, it's not connected or correlated with how much money you make, how satisfied you are, or how happy or successful you are in life. Yeah. So go wherever you want to go. Yeah. Um, it, it was insanely helpful because that was about a year after my attempt. Yeah. Um, and it, it just took so much pressure off all that I was doing in school because it was like, I love this area. This school's dope. Like, I like the people. I like where it is. It's, it's really a beautiful school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could get in my sleep. And now they're going to become a Cal Poly. Yeah. They're getting a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're becoming a Cal Poly, which is just huge. And so, um, I think it's, it's, it's crazy. I think it's really, um, just having that along with you being like, you need to be so wise. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, your mental health has always been in exactly. physical health, always been more important to me than any stupid grades. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and you've always encouraged me to do what I'm interested in. And it just so happened that my interests connect with extracurriculars that look really good yeah. on college apps, um, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I, I don't hold any of these positions because I think they look good or because I, you know. I think you're doing them for the right reasons. Yeah, which I think will just serve me. You're internally over. motivated. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it visiting Humble took a lot of pressure off and it was it was a really nice, um, it was nice to know that like, I can relax. And, and one of the things I try to do with you is I try to get you to back off over scheduling. I know. And, and I also, um, and also if you're tired, like, I don't care if you miss whatever first period. Or oh, my attendance last year was get out amazing. Get it was stellar. The amount of times yeah, I had to get a perfect attendance. Nope. Uh, nope. I think I, I think I ended up with like 108 in yeah. my classes. Um, and yeah, the amount of times I had to I texted you, can you call me out, please? Yeah. The one I liked was when I uh, called up the office <laughs> and said, um, Molly needs to get out early. She needs to get out at 1.30 because she has an appointment with the GI specialist for a spastic colon and intermittent really bad gas. And so when you see her in the office, it would really make her feel seen, heard, and validated if you ask her about this. <laughs> Mind you, I have to like walk through the office to leave. <laughs> like I have to check out. And the lady knew my name by the end of the year too. Oh, I'm like, sure. Like, Hi, Molly. Yeah. Hi. Molly, not feeling well today? Do you have a fever? Pork <laughs> up your rear? <laughs> Find the thermometer up my ass. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that has been really great, especially when it's like, I don't need to go to this class. I was always specific, like I was strategically missing my classes. Um, and so that that was really helpful. And not overscheduling myself. Um, yeah, definitely. I I have a lot going on. Um, and I try to make sure that I can, I can do it all. Yeah. Um, so if I'm, which if, means prioritizing sometimes. Exactly. And if I do have five, like five extracurriculars and a part-time job and school with two AP classes, like, okay, I'm going to say I can't work quite as much, yeah. you know? So I'm going to, and, and my extracurriculars have seasons. So it makes it kind of easier. Cause I, it's not all the time for one thing generally. Um, so I think, yeah. So, so let me ask you this, just in wrapping up, mm -hmm. is there anything else that you wanted to share that I didn't ask 
And, and I, while you're thinking about that, I just want to say thank you very much for being willing to come and share your story. I think it's really important. Um, we know that teenagers are besieged by depression and anxiety, especially yeah. since COVID. And so I think anything we can do to normalize that is massive. And then anything we can do to give people that are in the state where you were in and ideally give them hope, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a BFD. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, which is why I like really, really, um, put a high value on vulnerability mm -hmm. and being able to share and communicate what I've been through, because I want to make sure that people who see me as this high achieving figure know that it's not always been that way. And it's not always been easy at all. Mm -mm. Um, that I am, I achieve in spite of my struggles, like and I achieve because of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'd want to say, like, I would I would hear, like, there's hope when I was in that state. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Honestly, it takes a little bit of time. Like, it takes time. And the biggest, biggest thing that has made me not regret any of what I went through is to learn, like, ask yourself, what can I learn from this? This is, sucks. This is fucking awful. I shouldn't be going through this right now. And yet, what can I get out of it? Yeah, I do believe that the universe keeps handing us lessons and you'll get the same lesson over and over and over again until you figure out that lesson. So my advice to you out there is figure out the lesson the first time by asking yourself, what am I supposed to learn from this? What do I need to learn from this? What am I supposed to wake up to? Um, because I think that's one of the, it's the the best way to get through trauma and challenging situations. And we know that from research that, you know, one of the ways you get through trauma is looking for that lesson in that shit heap that is your life at the moment. Yeah. One of my, I always ask myself, how can I make this trauma good trauma? Mm -hmm. How can I swap, like, swap it? Well, again, thank you very much for coming aboard and sharing your story. I really appreciate your courage and your honesty. Absolutely, and, and your daughter. <laughs> well, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, and that is it for this episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to like, rate, review, and share. And if you didn't like it, you don't have to do a damn thing. It's so cheesy. I love Thanks it. Thanks so much. So we'll funny. see you next time.